You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Prophetic word that will be delicious in your mouth and bitter in your stomach. Such is the way of the prophet. Oh man, I remember when I was a kid. When I was a kid, really thought that prophecy was the coolest thing ever. Because if you were a prophet, it meant you could hear God's voice. I mean, these guys all throughout the Bible are always saying, Thus saith the Lord, right? So... Constantly, when you come in contact with them, they are always like on God's side, speaking on his behalf. And I wanted that. I wanted to hear God's voice. And so I began asking around, you know, like, hey, I see these prophets in the Bible. Does God still speak today? And the answer that I would get was like maybe every once in a while some miracle might happen, some rare thing in which God speaks. But for the most part, no, God doesn't really communicate with us that way anymore. Well, why not? Well, because you have the Bible. He's already spoken his words. He doesn't need to speak to you anymore. If you need a word, you can find it in that. And while I appreciate the sentiment, because a lot of people don't read their Bibles at all, and it needs to be uh, reminded to us to do so, at the same time, I was like, man, it's, it's great. I love this book. It'd just be really cool to hear God's voice. <laughs> and so I started to wonder about this, but as many of you know my story, it wasn't until college where I finally found out that, yes, God still, still does speak today. And I learned it from a professor who was eagerly practicing these things. And I also learned during that time that sometimes when you get a prophetic word, it is not always as fun to speak out as you want it to be, <laughs> right? Like that was always my hope. These guys get to hear God's voice and speak. What privileged people that people would listen to them speak God's word. They must have gathered around and, and like, yes, speak to us God's word. But then if you actually pay attention to your Bibles, these prophets did not always enjoy being prophets. They were the ones that everyone hated. Jeremiah, dudes like bipolar. I mean... <laughs> If you read through just like one chapter of Jeremiah, one point is like, God, why do you hate me? I'm single. You didn't give me a spouse. You told me I couldn't have one. I'm despised by my community. Nobody wants to talk to me. And every time I get up and I speak and, and they're like, hey, shut up. We don't want to hear from you anymore. Right, 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 right. And then like one second later is like, but God, you will destroy my enemies. You you will make a way for me. Suddenly, like he's in another spot. And then just like happy. And then suddenly just like, why was I even born? <laughs> That's the struggle of the prophet to get up in front of people to speak the words of God. Because as it ends up, people don't always want to hear what God has to say. Right? <laughs> Have you found that in your own life ever? And as my professor learned, when he started learning that God still speaks today, he started to find the same thing. That yes, receiving a word from God, it's delicious. It tastes good. It's sweet in your mouth like honey. Oh, but then you got to deliver the word and it's bitter in your stomach and the anxiety kicks in. How will people react? Will they listen to this? Will they want to? Well, that's what uh, my professor 
went through. Some of you heard this story two weeks ago if you're in Ypsilanti. But he shares a story in which he's like, God, I would love to get a prophetic word. I, I really want this gift. Of all the gifts, that would be really cool. He had this lady in his church who could hear God very clearly. And, and he's like, I want what she has. And one day, while he's driving, God gives him a word. It's just like a thought that's going through his head, but he realizes, like, this doesn't feel like my own thought. He's on his way to the barber. You know, he's been praying for a word when suddenly, the, uh, suddenly God says, you need to pray for your barber. He's like, oh, that's awkward. I don't want to do that. Imagine yourself in this situation, right? I don't want to pray for my barber. That'll be weird. And everyone will think I'm weird. The place is always busy. They're all going to judge me. And he continues to listen until God's like, furthermore, you need to pray for his heart. No, I don't want to. And he's arguing with God while he's driving to the barber until finally he's like, all right, God, I'll make a deal with you. If nobody is present at the barber shop, I will pray for him. He's like, there's my out because it's always busy. (laughs) Everyone is always there. He gets there and guess what? There's not a car except his own. And he sits in the chair, and he's sweating. He's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to give a word. It's not even a bad word. I just don't want to give it. It's so weird. I come to this guy all the time. I'm never going to be able to come back here. You know, the kind of thoughts you would have. And as he sits there, and he finally waits, the haircut finishes, shakes his hand, pays some money, and leaves. (laughs) He's like, ah, sorry, God. I'll get it next time, right? I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. Though, in this case, he kind of really missed his moment. That weekend, the man ended up in the hospital with heart problems. And he felt God extending him grace, nonetheless, despite the fact that he didn't pass along the word. But that was a learning experience for him, right? He tried to write a letter and send it to him after it had happened, but prophetic words usually work better beforehand. So that was his experience. And he loves that if you're going to learn to hear God's voice, that you have your own experiences. So everywhere that we would go, he'd always kind of throw me into the fire. All right, go ahead and pray for these people. I don't know what to pray for. We'll do it anyways. Okay. Uh, I remember one girl, uh, we were doing this whole prayer line, kind of like speed dating. No, that sounds weird. Let me explain. (laughs) Prayer speed dating, coming to Wednesday night, 1208 church. No. Uh, okay, so I'm just kidding. All right. What was I talking about? Prayer line. Thank you. Prayer line. So you get in a line, there's a bunch of prayers, and then there's a bunch of people receiving prayer. And they just move down the line. He's like, I don't know, just pray the first thing that comes to your mind. This girl gets in front of me, and at the time, Jody was in hair school, and I'm like, I don't know. Hair, hair. Let's just go with hair. I'm like, God, if this person's ever thought of doing something with hair. And she laughed at me. She laughed in my face. It's like, okay, I don't like giving prophetic words. First off, because I'm wrong. But secondly, because they laughed at me. (laughs) This isn't fun. But then over time, I started getting other words. And those ones, sometimes they panned out where it actually seemed like maybe there was a little bit of truth to it. But even uh, when I wasn't sure, there have been times where I've had to give words where I'm just like, I have no idea if this is true or not. And whether it's true or not, I still don't want to give the word. I think at one 1208 service, I had woke up from a dream that morning in which I just felt uh, in the dream, God said or gave me a word that 
somebody was giving a sacrifice to the god Pan. <laughs> and that's a really weird thing to dream about, right? So I wake up and I'm like, is that me? Was that God? I don't really know. I'm Googling stuff about Pan and I find out that Pan is, you know, this Greek god who's all about the weird sexual stuff. And I'm like, okay, so I guess tonight I'm just getting on stage and saying, hey, if you're into weird sexual stuff, stop it. I don't know. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I get on the stage and I give the word. Nobody responded, obviously. Uh, but nonetheless, like that was a moment where I was like, I feel like this burden is on me. As Jeremiah said, there's this fire caught up in my bones. And if I don't speak it out, it will disintegrate me. I'm paraphrasing. But that, that was how I felt. Like, I can't just let this go by. I have to say it out just in case it is God. I'm not here to say, thus saith the Lord. I'm here to say, in case God is saying this, if anyone here is dealing with this. Words like that. It's like, I don't want to say that. Well, Jamin, you wanted to prophesy. Jamin, you, you wanted this kind of gifting. That means you're going to be put in weird situations where sometimes you're going to have to try it out. Well, why wouldn't you be more clear then? <laughs> sometimes God is clear, and you still don't get it. I don't know if you noticed this, but after Jesus was baptized in one of the Gospels, when he comes out of the water, everyone hears God say, this is my son. But then if you pay attention, it says, but some just thought it was thunder. God audibly spoke. God, if you would just speak to me, then I would know. <laughs> God audibly spoke, and some people heard him, and the other people were like, oh, it's going to storm, right? Sometimes when God speaks audibly, we still don't hear it, or we still mistake it. But here I am trying to learn this, and I'm starting to learn that, like, yes, receiving words from God is delicious, like honey, but bitter in my stomach. It's hard. Sometimes you find yourself like Jonah. Jonah, historically probably the worst prophet of God there ever was. <laughs> Jonah, why don't you go to this town and tell them to repent? Ah, no. I'm getting on a bus and going the opposite direction, right? Okay, well, here's a storm. Jonah, why don't you repent and turn the boat around? Ah, uh, no. How about you guys just all throw me off the boat and kill me? And as he's sinking and descending and swallowing water, finally he repents. God, save me from the depths of the ocean. All right, here's a fish taking you the right direction. <laughs> fish swallows him, takes him the right direction, spits him out. And now Jonah has to follow through with his prophetic word, goes around Nineveh, and they actually respond in a positive way, something which, by the way, the prophets never get to see. Everyone always does the wrong thing. Jonah gets the right thing. And how does the prophet respond? I knew you were gracious and compassionate and full of loving kindness. I knew you'd save these people. Not the world's greatest prophet. He gets the good response, and he's still mad. He's still bitter. And then he wishes to, like, die again. Oddly enough, in the book of Jonah, a fish and a cow and other animals are more faithful to God than God's own prophet was. Because these other animals put on bags over their heads as a way of being repentant. A fish listens to God and takes him to where he needs to go. But Jonah, God's mighty prophet, he's the worst one of all the bunch. How often is my dog more faithful than I, I wonder? 
Not often because I don't have a dog. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> these are the stories that you find in your Bible. I have two cats, in case you care. Um, so I start trying to learn this stuff, and I find myself in uncomfortable situations, but speaking out nonetheless, because once you have eagerly desired and walked in this, you realize not ho- only how important it is, not only how much the fire gets trapped in your bones, but also that God holds you accountable. He tells one of the prophets, look, if I give you a word and you don't speak it out, then the blood of those people, whatever judgment was on them, I hold that against you because I gave you the word to speak it out. God, of course, is forgiving and loving and understands this transitioning period of learning this stuff. But he told the prophets, like, this is a hard task, and I expect you to live up to your side of it. And a lot of times, if you're like me, you just thought, like, well, this is either a gift that's going to happen or it's not going to happen. It's not this in-between. And I would suggest to you that that's not the case. Because Paul tells you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, if you eagerly desire to do something, you practice it. I don't look at a piano and say, ah, I wish I could play that thing. No, maybe one day it'll kick in. (laughs) One day I'll just sit down and be Mozart one day when the gift comes upon me. No, instead, I have to go and hit the key. No, that doesn't sound good, right? I have to work with what works and what doesn't work and figure out what a key is and what a, 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 a feeling is to how hard I need to hit these notes until one day suddenly I can play piano. I've grown into it. That's how I eagerly desire to play piano, not by just looking at it and be like, oh, man, that'd be cool, Right? It's the same thing with spiritual gifts. If you actually want to desire to prophesy, the answer is not to say, oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, well, guess I never will. No, the answer is to start learning how God speaks. And that's difficult for a lot of us today because we always think that if God were to speak to us, it would be that audible voice. Because when we look at the prophets, they're always saying, thus saith the Lord. They're having visions. It seems like the whole world around them opens up. Like suddenly... They would see angels in the corner of this church room and and they would be well aware of their visions. I would suggest to you that's actually not the case and that if you pay attention to the Bible, these prophets have been trained. They work in communities to work with each other to figure out how to hear God's voice. In the Old Testament, they were called sons of prophets, which is this idea that you have kind of like a father prophet, someone who's been trained to hear God's voice, and then he's working with these groups of prophets in schools of sorts to raise them up to hear God's voice so that someday they will all be working with the same kind of tactics and doing the continual job of prophesying. I think you see the prophets learning to prophesy. And I think when they tell you, thus saith the Lord, they're not saying like God came and audibly spoke to me. Sometimes he does. Don't get me wrong, that happens throughout the Bible. But usually, whatever these tactics are that they've been training themselves to listen to God's voice and to meditate, they experience God in those moments. And then they come and say, here's what God says to you. As I've been listening to his voice, here's what he says. Some of them, though, aren't people who hear words, hear thoughts, really is more what it's like. Some of them instead are seeing visions. There's different streams of the prophetic. There's the seers and the hearers. 
Seers are the ones who usually can't get their head out of the clouds, right? You're driving down the road, but you're not really in the car. You're flying next to the car in your imagination. The wheels fly out of the side of the car, and they're chopping down stop signs with fire coming out of the... Obviously, I'm the imaginative type. Like That may sound super weird to you, but that's where I always was in my life. My brain was always somewhere else. Seers are ones who imagine pretty much everything. They're thinking about everything in visual ways. So for example, some of you, you might come across a debate. And in your head, you're thinking over like passages. And it's just words. It's just going through your head. Here's a passage about this. Here's a passage about this. How do I sort these things out? And in your mind, they're just thoughts. For me, I sit down at a talk show, on a late night talk show, and the host begins to quiz me. I don't even notice I do this until I'm halfway through. I'm like, Jamin, why do you think you're on a talk show right now, right? (laughs) But that's the way my brain works. It's processing the same thoughts, but it's doing it visually. It might put someone in front of me who's dealing with something and say, Jamin, how are you going to work with this person right now? Rather than Jamin just sorting through thoughts, he's sorting visually through what's going to happen. Some of you are like that. If you're like that, then that is one of the ways in which you need to pursue hearing God's voice because you've been built in a visual capacity. But some of you are more thinkers. It's just thoughts. There's really no visual thing to it. Some of you would say, I never have any dreams, ever. It's not even like spiritual dreams. I just don't have dreams, period. If so, then you're probably not more on the seer side, but more of the, I sort through thoughts. And that's okay, because that's the way that your spirit speaks to you, Paul tells us. Paul says, you have your spirit in you, which searches the depths of your heart, but you also have God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of you, who searches the depths of God's heart. Now, when you think of it that way, anytime that you're searching the depths of your heart, you know, today we're like, that's our brain. But Paul puts that in the light of a spiritual perspective, that we're searching the depths of our spirit. So if that's what it's like to hear your own thoughts then that's what it's like to hear God's thoughts. Paul's like, look, you've got two spirits inside of you, yours and God's. So when you're thinking your thoughts, discern, is this you or is this God? Pay attention because it may not always be the case. Now remember, I've shared this story before. There was one day where I woke up and I just had this thought instantly go through my mind that had nothing to do with anything. It was so out there that I didn't even, like, I almost didn't even notice it happened because it just, like, did not belong with the morning routine. Jamin, what was it? Oh, it's a secret. It's only a secret because I don't remember right this moment. But nonetheless, <laughs> that was a moment where I was like, wait a minute, that, that was not my thought. That makes no sense to be my thought. My thought should be, I got to get the kids to school. I got to make breakfast. Am I going to wake Jody up? Will she kill me if I wake her up? How much am I willing to be killed this morning so that I can sleep in? You know, thoughts like these. But those were not the thoughts at all. My thoughts instead were the secret thought that we shall never know. (laughs) And I stopped and I actually processed that thought later. I even pulled out a dictionary to find out that that thought was like dictionarily correct, which... Again, it was just kind of, wait, the payoff is not 
No, it's gone. I, almost, I have half of it. I'll let you know the rest if it comes back later. That right there is a thoughtful moment. All of us, to some extent, are imaginatory seer and thoughtful hearer. We all do that. But some of you are really this way, and some of you are really this way. If that happens to be the case, you need to push into whatever way that is to hear God's Spirit. Because if I hear my own spirit through my imagination, then God's Spirit shows up in my imagination as well. And I started to realize that a few years ago. I was bummed I didn't figure this out a long time ago. Because when I created a mental imagination for myself, put myself in it, and then put Jesus next to me, I found something very odd. The Jesus that I was imagining in these moments would almost take on a life of his own, say things more brilliantly than I could imagine, and furthermore, he always had his arm around me, which was bizarre to me, because in my mind with Jesus, there's often a lot of shame. Arm around me is the last thing my brain is going to imagine Jesus doing. But the Jesus that meets me in that spot is so much more real than my own imagination that he's always close, he's always embracing, he's always loving. And that began to change my prayer life. It began to change my space to hear God's voice. Sometimes when I uh, talk here or I go to other churches and I try to give any words like, hey, someone might be dealing with this, it's because I put myself back in that scenario. I put Jesus next to me and I say, what do you want to tell these people? When I preached in Ypsilanti a month ago, I sat in the back of the room and I just sat there and prayed. And then suddenly I could like, in my mind, I could see the room from above. A spotlight would go on one area and then God would say something like, this person has tooth pain on the bottom left side of their jaw. Okay, <laughs> I'll write that down. I'll offer it. I don't know if that's you or my imagination, but we'll see. I offered it. One lady later got up. She's like, I don't know who this man is. <laughs> But there is no way he should know <laughs> about what's going on. I have surgery next week. And I've had this pain for a long, long time. And like that right there. It's like, I don't know. This is my imagination. Jesus, I'm offering it over to you. And then someone's touched by it. Okay, okay. So maybe there was this prophetic moment even there. Whereas sometimes it's the thought, the words that go through your head. If you're still trying to figure out which way that you are wired, think of it this way. When your spirit sins, when you sin in your mind, which way do you do it? So let's say you're young, you're going through puberty, hormones are kicking in. Now you're starting to think about sex. Which way is that fabricating in your mind? Are you someone who's just like, oh, I just really want to have sex, really want to have sex? Or are you someone who's like thinking of sex and visually playing it out in your mind? The way in which you might sin in that scenario I'm going about this real backwards right now. But the way in which you might sin in that scenario may actually be part of the way that your brain is more programmed. Other ways you might sin. Jesus tells us, you know, like, offer over to him all of our worries. So let's say that, like, anxiety is a difficult thing for you. Is your anxiety just like, oh, I really don't want to get cold. Oh, germs are everywhere. Oh, it's gross. I just don't want to touch anything. Don't want to get anyone. I don't want my kids to die. That would be really bad. That just gets me down. Or is it, Oh, I just imagined a car running over my children again. There's blood everywhere. Whatever way that you might go, 
might help you understand if you're seer or hearer. (laughs) The way in which you use your spirit to do those things is probably the way in which God would speak to you. For me, I mean, when I was growing up, sex took over my mind pretty hard in middle school, high school, and I gave my mind over to those things. And and it wasn't until much later in life where I realized, like, you know, I don't know if that was just like Satan seeing a chance to take the way that God wired me to hear him and manipulate it over for his own tactics. And if I would have known as a kid like Jamin, you can hear God through your imagination, turn that over to him, oh, that would have been life-changing. I would have known that there's actually something valuable to practice with my imagination. <laughs> Whereas I was just told this meant you were ADD and you didn't pay attention and you always had your head in the clouds. Whatever the case may be, I suggest to you that there is a chance in your life to hear God's voice. That does not mean you are a prophet. A prophet is someone who holds like an office. They're appointed to a position. They hear God's voice on a more regular basis. They're given stronger words to give to the church. But everyone has God's spirit inside of them as Christians. And if you have God's spirit inside of you who searches the depths of his heart, so you have your spirit inside of you searching the depths of your heart. It's time to tune in and discern what is what. If you're a hearer, get silent, be quiet, hear him in the quiet places, and soon you'll know how to hear him in the louder places. If you're a seer, get quiet, imagine in the quiet places, and as life goes on, you'll soon know how to hear him in the louder places. In today's passage in John, he's appointed to the place of prophet. Something happens to him that happened to prophets all throughout the Old Testament in which he is taken into God's heavenly throne room and he is given a job to do. So far we've been like, why is John experiencing revelation? Why him? This is the moment where we find out, John, I have a scroll. I have a message for you to talk to my people, to deliver on my behalf. This is prophecy. Take it. I want you to eat this scroll. Eat this book. And as these words go into your mouth, you will behold the word of God. It will be delicious like honey. You will experience my spirit speaking to you. And as it drops into your gut, (laughs) you'll feel the bitterness set in. The cramps begin to start as that burning that goes in your bones might self-implode, you you go out and begin to speak these things to my people. Such is the life of the prophet, and such is the life for you in some extent, because you have God's Spirit inside of you. So as the band comes up and we get ready to uh, worship, a few things that I would like to extend to you Uh, One, there'll be a a prayer group in the back corner. If you want prayer for anything, feel free to go ask for prayer. One of the things I would suggest that you consider asking is if you would like to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, if you would like to hear God's voice or begin to experience prophetic words, ask the prayer team to pray for more of that gifting on you. We can't 
give it to you. That's up to God. But that's part of eagerly desiring is asking. Nobody eagerly desires without asking. Maybe you have prayer requests for something else. You need healing for something. You need uh, just a, a touch from God over some emotional pain, some memory. Whatever the case may be, happy to pray for you. Uh, in fact, Joel's going to come right now and give us a few words as we get ready for that.